We are in the gospel according to John. And then next week, oh yes, sir. I, I would love for you to, but can you come up here and talk on the mic? Uh, because otherwise, uh, those that are watching won't hear it. Because yes, I think I know what you're about to talk about. And I would love that. All right, hold on one second. It's muted. Go for it. Okay, so that this is kind of like a nerd thing. I, I really enjoy uh, researching and learning about a lot of other things. And I do the captions for the videos. Uh, and so obviously I don't speak uh, Aboriginal Creole like sure. Millie does. But uh, because of that, I really had to dig in and do some research on who Millie was, uh, who Millie is, and uh, the work she's done. She is part of a team of Creole Aboriginals from Australia who were part of uh, translating the Bible, and uh, it, it uh, ended up being that uh, that Creole Bible was the first, uh, or either the first or the only complete scripture that has been translated into an Aboriginal language. language. So um, really, really incredible story, but also um, I, I just wanted to kind of give a little bit of backstory as to who mm -hmm. uh, Millie is. Um, she uh, was uh, instrumental in the, the entire translation, bringing the word of God to, uh, to everybody on earth. So um, if you'd like to learn more, I can post a link to some more information about uh, the uh, translation efforts uh, to the uh, languages of, of uh, the Aboriginal people of Australia. But uh, that's, that's what I want to say. Yeah. It's just really cool how... Uh, That's great. God's word, regardless of, of what language we speak, uh, finds finds a way. Yep. Well, and Juan, if you would, so you sent me that link yesterday. So we talked back and forth on some things, and, and I was wondering, I was like, okay, I know how I was going to caption the rest of it, but uh, hearing it, I was like, I could not phonetically spell out that. There are people that could. I know my wife could. Um, and I was like, I wonder what Juan will do with this. This will be interesting. And then he sent me a link where he found the entire thing. Uh, would you mind posting that link in uh, like the, the Signal thread? So that if you're not on, uh, we use a, a messaging app called Signal that a lot of us talk about very random stuff. I always send out the video link that's on there. And to be honest, a lot of this stuff is just something that somebody found funny. But uh, Juan will post that on our message thread. Uh, if you don't aren't a part of that and you'd like to be a part of that, let me know. I'll send you the link. Or uh, if you have a bulletin, it's in the bulletin. Uh, there's a link there. And if you show up a little early, it always flashes behind me in the screen. Those announcements that nobody reads, I think, actually, Lance, I think you're the only person who's ever read the discussion question. Um, and there's some important stuff in there. So we're going to read through the Word of God, and then we're going to talk about a lot of, truthfully, what we have just done. Because we've done a lot of things that, that would be considered signs, and we're going to talk about that, okay? So here's what the Word of the Lord says. After the two days, if you remember last week, uh, what happened was Jesus went from Galilee into Judea and then traveled from Judea um, back through Galilee. In the gospel according to John, geography and theology matter, okay? So there's a connection there. Uh, when John is talking about going places, there's theological elements to this. And if you remember, I'm going to use this as a bit of a map. Here was Judea. Galilee was right here, excuse me, here was Judea, Samaria was right here, and Galilee was right here. Galilee was Jewish, Judea was Jewish, Samaria 
people who the Assyrians brought in other people, and they're, they're kind of Jewish, kind of not. And it was an area that was avoided by ancient Near Eastern Jews. They would walk around it. Literally, they'd walk through people who they, they uh, had less in common with in order to avoid the Samaritans quite often. And Jesus goes through Samaria, and not only goes through Samaria, he's so touched by the people there that he stays with them. That's a big, big deal. So in the Gospel according to John, what's happened thus far is Jesus has preached the good news to Jews, and then he preached the good news to Samaritans, and now he's going to go to Galilee, which is a Jewish area, but it has more Roman uh, influences in it, and he's going to uh, talk, the person he's going to be talking with here is a royal official, which means he was connected to Herod, and Herod was Jewish in name, Roman in practice. So Jesus preached to the Jews, he preached to the Samaritans, and now he's basically going to be preaching to the Roman uh, powers. Uh, so that's where we are. So after the two days, he left Galilee. Now Jesus himself, uh, excuse me, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Uh, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him there, or welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. One more, once more, he visited Cana in Galilee. Now, if you remember, Cana was where Jesus does his first miracle, where he changes water into wine, which has led to all sorts of jokes. Like I saw yesterday a video of a guy dressed like Jesus in a restaurant, and the waitress came up to him and said, what will you have? And he looked at all the other people that were supposed to be his disciples, and they all started snickering, and he said, I'll just have water, as though he had cheated the restaurant that way. But he goes to Cana where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on, his, on the way, his servants met him with the news that his son was living, or his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. I want you to think about signs. We have them all around us. Even in this room, we have signs. So there's an exit sign above the doors uh, that are lit to make sure that if there's smoke, you can see where that is. There's a restaurant sign. There's signs over here by the bar. Uh, Cocktail hour, it says cocktail hour, and it doesn't list an hour, so apparently at the Rose House, every hour or no hours are cocktail hour, one of the two, but there's signs all over the place. You probably have signs where you are. You may have signs that motivate you. You may have signs that remind you of things. You may have signs that mock you. Uh, what I love is there's a lot of signs that truthfully are you know, just meant to bring our attention to other things. If you have not walked around the sculpture park, you may not know this, but there are a lot of signs on the sculpture park. And if you don't know where the sculpture park is, if you go over by Spash, so Stevens Point Area High School, a part of the Green Circle Trail is the sculpture park that is just trails with it. And they have these wonderful signs in there that are like, hey, 
Think about this. But then there are also signs, well, that are not meant to be funny, but they are funny. At least to me, that's quite funny. I mean, that's a pretty impressive bull who looks rather placid when you think about it. For having almost tumped over a car, this bull does not look like he's doing much of anything at all. Then there are other signs, well, they're not meant to be funny, but they just end up being funny. I'll give you a second for that one. And then there are there are signs, and this, is, this one may be a little inside baseball for you guys, but there are signs that somebody else saw and said, I can do something with that, such as this is a sign that Pam and I saw in Savannah. If you have ever watched Tiger King, then you know what that's about. And if you have not watched Tiger King, one, your life is probably better for it because it is the Jerry Springer equivalent of, of a documentary. Uh, and two, if you haven't watched it, you have no earthly idea what's going on and why in the world would anybody want to stop Carol Baskin. Uh, I threw this in here for Eric Glaze because he likes Tiger King and then he didn't show up. So I think you should mock him all for that. But guys, our signs are meant to point us to things. In this case, it's pointing us to humor. Anybody ever seen where somebody's done the same thing with hammer time? Always makes me laugh when I see it. There's one in the point area where it's stop, hammer time. Guys, Jesus is talking about signs here. So the whole passage starts off with this. It says, Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him there. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Now the Galileans, they didn't come saying, Oh my gosh, I want to listen to Jesus. Oh my gosh, he's the Savior. I want to follow him. They saw him do something interesting and they wanted to see more of that. That's why Jesus, his statement to the royal official is the following. He says, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. They were focused on wanting to see more of these signs, to have more of this experience. And that's what Jesus is condemning. And if you notice here, he's saying this to an individual, but this is pluralized. In your, your uh, translation, it may just say you, but the word here is plural. Y'all is such a wonderful word. It is a Southern word, but it should be used in so many contexts. And to be honest, in my opinion, this is a y'all, okay? Unless y'all see signs. Because what we're going to experience here is, there's a difference between the Galileans and this royal official. And it's all about belief. Now, believe is this weird word because we treat it as though it's a noun. And it is a noun, okay? We have beliefs. But in Scripture, over and over again, it's a verb. As a matter of fact, well, here, I'll give you an example of what I think is a noun treatment to some extent. This is from U.S. Soccer a few years ago. I'm going to turn it down a little. I believe. I believe. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that we. I believe that we. I believe that we will. I believe that we will. I believe Does anybody remember that a few years ago? Where soccer fans were chanting it all the time. And do you know how it changed their life? Not at all. Not one little bit. And that's not what's happening here. When you see believe in the gospel of, uh, according to John, it, it is from, whoops, excuse me, is from this word. This is pistos. 
it is a verb. It occurs 98 times in one version or another. Sometimes uh, it's going to be just pistis. Sometimes it's going to be a verb that's formed from that. Sometimes it's going to be a participle, which is basically just an acting word at that point. It's going to happen 98 times in the Gospel of John, and it is never a noun. It is always a verb. And the big difference between a verb and a noun, between a predicate and a subject, is what? What does a verb do? It acts. When the Gospel of John is talking about belief, it's not talking about do you have the right set of beliefs, though those are important. It's talking about do you act on this? It's mentioned three times in the passage we just read, okay? Now, one of those is not translated most likely in your translation as belief, but is coming from the same word in the NIV. It's took, okay? Here they are. Verse 48, you will never believe. Jesus says this to the Galileans. Unless you see signs, you will never believe. Pistis. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Pistis. It's believe right there. The man believed Jesus and departed. And then lastly, so he and his whole household believed. I want you to think of, of a trust fall whenever you hear the word believe. Because what's happening here is the difference between the royal official and the Galileans is the Galileans believed that Jesus could do amazing things and they wanted to see more of it. The royal official believed that Jesus healed. And he took Jesus at his word and he went home. The contrast is one of them acted on this belief and the others just wanted to see more things. They wanted more experiences. I'm sure they could have told you wonderful things about Jesus, but they weren't allowing the signs to do what they were supposed to because the whole point of a sign is to get you to focus on something else. If you look at the sign and go, this is wonderful, this is remarkable, you miss it. Now, when my wife and I went to Savannah, which is the second time I'm mentioning this in the, the sermon just because it relates, uh, we went past, a, I guess you'd call, I would call it a retirement community. It was this nice little community where people who had made enough money to where they didn't have to work again um, went, and they, um, they wanted everything to be perfect. And by perfect, what they meant was they wanted it all look nice. And it was the hardest place for us to travel because you would go down, and we were looking for a restaurant at this time because we were driving and we had not eaten, and we were like, okay, we're just going to find something. And all the restaurant signs had the exact same beige colors. I don't know if you've ever been to a place like this, but like, there was a Walmart there, but it looked like everything else because it was all beige, and it looked Instagram perfect, but it was next to impossible to figure out where everything was. There was a Wendy's there, and the Wendy's sign, it had the logo of Wendy's, but its colors were the exact same as everything else. There was a Burger King sign, and it was the exact same, and there was a Target, and it was the exact same as the Walmart, and it looked like this one big, nice, bland building of stores, and you couldn't tell what was what, and all the street signs looked great, but they didn't help us to get where, to where we wanted. We were driving around, and we would realize we just drove past a restaurant because we couldn't tell that it was a restaurant because it could have been a dollar store. It looked exactly the same. 
when we care about the signs more than what they're pointing to, we miss out. Because the whole point of Jesus' signs was they were supposed to point to that trust. So again, to go back to those three times that appear, we could translate that, you will never trust. We could translate that, the man trusted Jesus at his word and departed. We could translate that, so he and his whole family trusted Everything that Jesus did in the ancient Near East, everything that's recorded in Scripture is meant to help us to trust Him. Everything that happens now is meant to help us to trust Him. And that trust is always a verb. Trust always implies action. There are lots of things I believe in, but I don't trust them. The things I trust, I throw myself into I may believe that the power is off when I'm working on an electrical outlet, but I guarantee you that I am going to test it multiple times with a multimeter to make sure that uh, that power's off. I don't trust that the power's off. I just believe that the power's off. Jesus is calling us to trust Him. Now, I mentioned with the Lord's Supper that J.K. Smith talks about our rituals are meant to help us remember what we love and we are shaped by what we love. So what does it mean to trust Jesus? Now, the reality is it'd be real easy for me to just give you a list and say, this is what it means to trust Jesus, but that's not what it means to trust Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was kind of the anti-list to a large extent. So he was saying, I'm not going to give you this and say, if you do this, 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 and this, then you're okay. What he was saying is, follow me. I'm going to show you what it means to live a life that trusts in me. And there's going to be some some difficulty in that. There are going to be times where you go, I don't entirely know what that means. What does it mean to trust Jesus? Well, the first thing he preaches about is that the kingdom of God is near. He says the following. This is the very first sermon Jesus ever preaches. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, we think of repent with sin. What it literally means is it means a 180. I'm walking this way, I turn and go this way. He's not saying you're evil because, and the the kingdom of God is at hand. What he's saying is, hey, my way is coming to earth. Stop going your way and try to follow mine. What does that look like? Well, it varies. Sometimes it means trusting when you don't want to. Sometimes it means giving when you don't want to. Sometimes it means loving your enemy. Sometimes it means taking bread to your neighbors. It means all sorts of things, and and there's not a list that can cover that, but it means coming back always and saying, the kingdom of God is at hand, and I trust that God is at work in the midst of all this, in the midst of a test that I am not ready for, in the midst of a parenting situation where I am struggling, in the midst of a relationship where you're like, everything's just kind of, ugh, right now. All of these things we trust and we say, Jesus, I believe you are active in the midst of that. And I also believe that it means that we take Jesus at his word when he says that he didn't come to burden us. One of the things that he says is he says this, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's why I'm not going to give you a list of this is what it means to trust Jesus. Because the reality is we do a really good job of putting a heavy burden on ourselves. And Jesus came to make our burden light. 
We do a terrible job of this, a terrible job of it, of going, Jesus loves me. What does it mean to trust him when he says, I have come that you might have life? So I can't tell you exactly what that is. Because if I told you exactly what that was, one, I would be wrong. (laughs) And two, what would happen is we would start focusing on the list rather than focusing on the one that we're supposed to follow. Signs always point to something else. So, what do you have to add? What does it mean to trust? Yeah. Which verse? Fifty. Okay. Which is the one uh, where he and his family believed? Yeah, that's I like that one because if I understand what you're saying, it's not, if he came there to have his son healed and instead of going, I've accomplished my mission and my son is healed now, he goes, all right, I trust this guy. Whatever happens that he says, I trust him, it's going to be for the best. And uh, instead of trying to drag Jesus home with him, he just basically said, okay, you're good enough. He didn't know what had happened. He just said, this man's worth following. This is a very good point, Juan. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Here's what I encourage you to do. Signs are wonderful. I mean, I really do like signs. They're, they're just wonderful. I'm a very, very big fan of signs when I'm trying to find something. Matter of fact, there's a restaurant in town. If you haven't eaten at the Big Garlic yet, I would encourage you to eat at it. It's a really good hamburger. It's also really difficult to find. Their signage is very difficult. Uh, Sarah is shaking her head. Have y'all, did y'all struggle with that also? Yeah. <laughs> I drove around and around and around trying to figure it out. Finally, it's like, oh, there's the sign right there. It's just real hard to see. Um, if you're If the owners of the Big Garlic are watching this, uh, I would say get a better sign, but your hamburgers and your chips are outstanding. Their chips are really good, uh, and I would encourage you to do that. Our signs are meant to point us to something. What is it in your life that points you towards Jesus? Not because that's the right thing to do, not because, oh, you'll be a good moral person, but because I believe with all my heart that Jesus is what life is ultimately all about. When he is in the right place, everything else is better. 
So what signs do you have in your life? That's the whole reason that we, we read Scripture. That's the whole reason that we sing. Think of what we are reminded of with songs over and over again. It's the whole reason we do the Lord's Supper. It's part of the reason that we gather together. Uh, one is to have that reminder, and then two, we each serve as a reminders of each other's. Find some things in your life. Create some things. Steal some things from other things. There are wonderful parts of church tradition that do that. We're about to start one of those signs in two weeks because we will start Lent, which is a focus on uh, saying, I need forgiveness as we get ready for Easter. Find some signs. So if you would join with me in our closing prayer. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Have a great week. Look around you and be reminded constantly that there is one who is worthy of trust. And then trust him. Have a good week, okay?